So, we have Patrick Kilborn and, of course, our pastor, Scott Rowe, that, is, that are going to be speaking this morning. And it's my understanding that this might be the last service of our, of our theme. Is that right, Patrick? <sighs> I want you to imagine a church where everybody in the church has been taught and trained up and they're confident and they love on each other intentionally through Christ and they know how to pray for each other. That every member of the church is invited to participate, not just as a audience member, but as an actual living, breathing member of the body who's there to help you and love you and walk with you. That's what this uh, series has been about. So it never ends. And today it's going to get a lot more intense in a nice way. You know, when I first started coming to the Cambridge Vineyard, I heard the little phrase, everyone gets to play. And I thought, what on earth does that mean? And, uh, you know, this whole, this whole theme on praying for one another, uh, you know, just for those of you that don't un- haven't really kind of grasped that, this is where you get to play. Everyone gets to participate. And it's such, a, such an exciting thing to be a part of. I know it can be a little, you know, feel a little nervous, but it, just a reminder that when you are stepping out to pray for someone that you're not alone, right? Because we already, you heard the promises this morning that I read, God's always with us. So when you are stepping forward to pray for someone, he's with you. The Holy Spirit is present. So yeah, just uh, bless you, Scott, as you and Patrick, who's speaking first. Thank you. I got this. Patrick needs that. Good morning. Everybody awake? Hope so. Um, great to see everyone. So the reason I got this shirt on because we had a little group of people from here go out and do Tough Mudder yesterday, which we've been doing since 2014. And I was led by uh, Jeff Smith. He was our, like, our team leader. And uh, his two daughters and their two significant others and one of Jeff's friends. And so there were seven of us, and, and we went and had a good time. It, was, it wasn't that hard, actually. It wasn't as hard as it was in previous years. But we had a great time. Uh, so why am I telling you this? Because one of the, one of the, 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 the highlight of the whole day is when they have the waves come up, like because they just send people out in waves, right? So about 150, 200 people at a time, and uh, and there's a like a you call them a motivational guy to get people ready to what they're going to be facing that day, and uh, his name is Sean, and uh, Sean said he said, he had one word that he repeated over and over and over again. He said, "I'll tell you what this is all about." He said, "I was surprised what he said." He said, "This is about community, 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 community." is what it is. The whole thing, this whole thing, this is what we're about. And he says, I want you to look around. I want you to look to your left and right and front and behind you. Those are your teammates. So if you see one of your teammates down on the course, you help. We help. We do, we do that. When you do an obstacle and you get a hand up to get through the obstacle, when you get there, you turn around and you extend a hand and you help, you help somebody else up. Why? He said, because that's who we are. That's what we do. That's what we do. I turned to Jeff and I said, Jeff, you've just been to church, (laughs) right? Because that's what it's supposed to be about. 
that we help one another, that we were there for one another when we fall down. And falling down isn't just going through a rough time in life. Falling down could be that, you know, we've, we've taken the wrong road and we've just stumbled and fallen flat on our face and we need a hand up, not people to pull back, people to come forward and to say, can we help you? Can we help you? And when you take a look through the gospels, that's what it's about. It's what it's about. So it was just a really great reminder and, and talk about the power of encouragement, people encouraging one another, even when they failed, even when they couldn't do some of the stuff. They had to have help. But the power of encouragement, huge. And it's like, we need to be like that as well. We are, we are, but even more so, we have to remember that is so powerful for people. You want to help people? Encourage them. It's so good, so good. That's an aside. Okay, so last week, uh, Patrick mentioned that about, you know, we'll have to touch on forgiveness this week. And actually, I didn't really have that in my plan. Right, that we would touch on forgiveness with prayer. You know, I was like, mm, I wasn't sure, right? So God, what do we do about this? <laughs> right? It's a, you do a little bit of prayer and, and I just sense, no, no. And I don't know if God was sort of like making fun of me, but just sort of like, well, forgiveness is sort of important, right? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very important actually. And uh, as I started to ponder that and think about it and... Uh, it was interesting, I, I saw this forgiveness as this beautiful gift that's been given to humanity that we're called to give to one another and to give to all others. And that's how you see it in scripture. I just see, you know, we look at when we come to the Good Friday service and Jesus, you know, is executed um, and he gives his life. But what does he say to the people who are executing him? He says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. You don't know what they're doing. And you see that. You see that uh, gesture of, it's not even a gesture, it's that gift of forgiveness. You go, to, you go throughout history, countless, countless, countless relationships have been restored because somebody offered forgiveness. You'll see nations have been restored because someone offered forgiveness. Uh, South Africa, prime example because they focused on, we need to forgive one another. We need to do that. And healing came. It is so important, so vital to us. Uh, people have written songs, written poetry about it. And when you look at the gospel, it's the essential message of the gospel, because if you take forgiveness out of it, if forgiveness is, isn't there, what is it all about? Right? You know, and the good news is we are forgiven. We are forgiven. God initiated that. Didn't have to beg for God to do it. God gladly does it. Gladly does that for us. Um, you know, and so, you know, you go, well, was it in the Old Testament? So much so, obviously, because you look at, you go through the Psalms, and David was one who just talked about it endlessly, about the forgiveness of God. And I want to share just a chunk of Psalm 103 with you. And uh, David starts out, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. And he makes a list. I just want to show you the first thing on the list. He forgives all my sins. That was the whole impetus for why he said, let everything that is within me praise him. Not because he's just a good God, 
because he's forgiven all my sins. David goes on down through the Psalm and then he comes to these words here. And this starts at verse 10. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve for his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. What a beautiful example of what forgiveness is for us. That you can never bring east and west together. That's how far, and David was trying to do using the best he could with language. But that's the best he could describe it as. And it speaks loudly of this, this wonderful gift God has given to us. Forgiveness, what you will, you'll see in the, throughout scripture, it comes from a heart of generosity. And I'm adamant that um, the kingdom of God, I'm adamant that all of creation, that it is birthed from this place of love and within that is this place of generosity. I'm, I'm convinced generous people forgive. Forgiveness is a generous gift that we offer one another. It's a generous gift. Does Jesus talk about it? Oh, big time, right? Big time. Forgive others. Jesus, this is Jesus' words, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. All right, it goes on. It'll, it says this, let me read it to you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. We, use, we Sometimes you hear that passage used about giving, that the more you give, the more you'll get back and you know, it'll be poured into you. Not what that's about. It's about the forgiveness that as you give, as you give that out, it, it just comes back to you. There's this beautiful rhythm that takes place in the whole thing of forgiveness. And like I said, it's generous people forgive. And forgiveness comes from a generous heart. And, and you need to know that's the heart of the father of the God we worship. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Let's go to Matthew here. Jesus, again, when he sends his disciples out to go and do the stuff, says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. And there's the impetus for us to forgive and to walk in that place of forgiveness. We have received it. And God says, just give that away. And there's something about that. As you give, more comes in. And it's just a beautiful thing. Just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It's the essence of the kingdom. I'm, I'm convinced of that. So what does this have to do with prayer and praying for one another and the five-step model? First, you might think, well, it doesn't have anything to do with anything. Well, it does, actually. Actually, it does. And Jesus has more to say about it. And uh, this is what he says, and Mark records this in his gospel. But when you are praying, Scott... <laughs> First, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. And I, you know, I, 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 sat, I sat and I was thinking about this and I thought, 
if forgiveness is the essence of the kingdom, and I wrote this down, if it's the essence of the good news and the heart of God, then if I refuse to forgive, if, and I want you to, because like, I logic things out. So if I refuse to forgive, right? I go, no, I, I, this person, I can't forgive for what, what they've done. And I, and, I, and I go down that road. So if I, if I refuse to forgive, the question I have to ask myself is, have I submitted then to the rule and reign of, of, of Christ? That's the question. And I thought about that. And, was, and again, it was like, no, that's, that's an easy answer, Scott. <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> I haven't submitted to it. So if I pray for Patrick now, and, but I have this thing of, no way I'm forgiving this guy over here, this person over here. And I go to pray. The question has to be, and I can say the words, right? I can say, in Jesus' name, do you really think Jesus, God hears that? Hmm. <laughs> I know, no, because, I know that, because there have been times I have gone to pray it could be for April, my wife, or someone else. And you know what I hear? It's, it's sort of like, eh, eh, eh. That's something you got to deal with. And it's like, oh, shoot. And I know what Jesus asked me to do. Deal with this first. Deal with this first. So we have to heed Jesus' words. This is so important. And Jesus' words, and this is from the Sermon on the Mount, we did this. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, and that could be vice versa, you have something against someone else, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. It is important when I pray for you, when I pray for other people, that I am, because we're praying, what, the kingdom of God, when the kingdom of God breaks through, it breaks through where we give God rule and reign in our lives. And if I'm refusing to forgive, I haven't submitted to the rule and reign of Christ. I just haven't. It's important, the forgiveness is important because we have been forgiven. It's the same thing, so when, when someone decides to be a follower of Jesus, when, when someone decides to do that, we, the, one of the first things I want to tell them is, you know you've been forgiven? Do you know that? And it's like a gift that's been offered. And all we have to do is receive it. That's all we have to do. Just receive it. Just take it. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Now, I just want to make one little caveat about forgiveness. There are things that can be done to us, wounds that can be made, that are very, that, that, that thought of forgiving can be very, very hard. And I'm convinced that the posture is, God, I know this, this thing that, that this person has done to me has just rattled me. And I don't know how to forgive. And I know you're asking me to forgive, but I don't know how to do that right now. But I say, I want to, but you're going to have to help me because I don't know how else I'm going to do it. And it's just that posture I make to start, I'm going to journey, start making it. Yesterday at one of the, most of the obstacles were fairly easy. We came to the one called pyramid scheme. 
And pyramid scheme is like this plastic, not a plastic, it's like the fiberglass sloped, angled up thing that goes up. And it's greasy and it's muddy and, it's, and you can't get up it. You just can't get up. The only way you can get up is people actually have to lay down on it and people climb over you to get up. That's how you have to do it. And as we're standing there waiting, you know, there's a whole group watching these people. And sometimes the, as it gets up, it, the whole group crumbles because the person at the bottom is feeling all this weight and they just start to go, I can't do this anymore. That's sometimes what we face in life when it comes to forgiveness. It's like, I don't know how we're going to do this. Luckily, Jeff logic it out for us. And so we did it, but it was hard. Sometimes for forgiveness to be able to do it, it's going to take other people to come around us. It might take a counselor, it might, it's, and it might take a long time, and it might be painful. And there might be times that you, you crumble, but you get back up and you keep going because you got to do it. And God sees our heart. And God brings us to that place where we can forgive. What do you want to say about forgiveness? I know you, you brought it up last week, so obviously yeah. it's important to you as well. Okay. I want to discuss the mechanics of the idea of forgiveness and sin really quickly, and then we're going to break into groups and forgive each other. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Any biblical scholars here today? Hands up. Seriously. Okay. No? Really? Scholars? Yeah, yeah. Anyways. Uh, Anybody who disagrees with what I just said, please track me down later because I will demonstrate to you that in about two minutes we're going to encapsulate the entirety of the Bible. Okay? First question. What is sin? I'm asking. What's sin? Separation from God. Disobedience. Death. Ooh, good answer. Okay. Essentially, sin is this. This candle represents God. It is light and love. It is your hope in the darkness. God is essentially the creative driving force that created our reality. You've heard me say this over and over and over again. This is important. God is the essence, the entity, the thought, the thing that created everything. Okay? Whatever you want to call that, us Christians call that God. This candle represents God. This candle, which you'll notice is smaller and not lit, represents not God. If you are the opposite, and we're going to be a little simplistic, yeah. If you are the opposite of light, love, and creativity, what is the opposite of that? Darkness, death. Okay? We call this death. We call this darkness. When I choose God's way, I choose life. When I choose the opposite of God's way, I choose death. It is really that simple. Anybody disagree with that? Yes, it gets complicated, but ultimately, that's the Old Testament. That's the law. I can choose in every decision I make, I can choose life or I can choose death. Now, there's a lot of complexity to this. Is this sin? Isn't this sin? You know, we're not going to get into that today because I'm being simplistic. God honors our choices. When I choose death, when I choose not life, God says, okay, here's a little bit of death. That is the fruit of that choice. 
okay? Eventually, if I continue to choose sin, I continue to choose death, the burden of death upon me is so great that it affects my life. And it separates me from the light. God said, I know how to fix this. I'm going to die for you. Jesus died in our place. He took on the burden of all the death we've been choosing. And here's the really crazy part. How do you accept that, what we call forgiveness, what we call the good news? How do you get that? You simply accept it. You simply say, thank you, Jesus. I understand that I screwed up. We call that sinning. Jesus, I recognize that you're willing to take on the punishment. Not the punishment. That's not necessarily the best way in my mind. Some people see it that way. He's willing to take on the the burden of death that I chose or whatever, however you want to phrase that. That's where scripture gets complicated and we end up with 100,000 different Christian churches, right? Because it's different ways of discussing these things. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that. I'm going to thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, for taking the burden of my death choices, my sin, I choose to turn from my death decisions and now start walking back towards life. This is called repentance. We're Christians, we got all sorts of fun names for things. I choose to turn from these kind of decisions back to these kind of decisions. So that's the gospel. Got that? Any questions? Anybody significantly have hard time with that and disagree with it? Like, is there anything in there that's stirring somebody and going, no, it's not that simple? Because it isn't, but... It's just following the Jesus way. At the simplest point. Okay. It's following the Jesus way. Yeah. Right? I choose this. Now, we know that we're going to do this again and again and again, and Jesus died once and for always for all of our bad choices and opens this door up to us all the time. So we've, we've got a, this is out of the KM1 manual. Um, we've got a very simple prayer that I need my glasses to read. I want to teach you all this today and show you how this fits in with the five-step prayer model. It's very simple. This is the prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, I confess that I have sinned. So now we all understand what sin is. I am sorry for, and in brackets, name the sin. Jesus, I'm sorry for coveting my neighbor's orange Xterra. It's true. I am truly sorry. Please forgive me. I forgive, and then at brackets, it says, name anyone else involved with the sin victim or victimizer. I forgive Mike McDonald for leaving his orange Xterra at my house that I would covet it. I became depressed over this bloody truck being parked at my house and that I couldn't have it. Serious. I repent and I turn from my sinful behavior and actions and choose to follow Jesus instead. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you, Jesus, for offering forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Please come into my life to become my Savior and the Lord of my life, to reign and rule in my heart from this day forward. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay? So, you know, you don't have to be that formal. You know, um, 
some of us, especially people with addictive behaviors and addictive issues, we, we have a habit of sinning over and over and over and over again. So to, just to let you know, you know, Jesus, ugh, I've done it again. I'm sorry. Can you forgive me? As easy as that is, it brings about that turning and it brings about a change in heart. Um, I'm normal, despite outward appearances, and I've struggled with some significant sin patterns in my life. And I used to think, that's cheap grace. That's not fair. Jesus won't forgive me over and over and over again like that, will he? Yeah, he does, because his heart is that I would overcome my sinful behavior. And I will not overcome my sinful behavior through the application of guilt and shame. Guilt and shame will drive me deeper into my sinful behavior. So when someone does something stupid and chooses death, by pointing their sin out to them and saying, you are nothing but a dirty sinner, we in fact draw them away from the light and back into the darkness. Jesus, who forgives us again and again and again, he is way more patient than me, is creating a path back to the light so that we can heal from whatever it is that drives us to these dumb things that we do and, and pulling us back into, pulling us into a place of healing and restoration. So there is a thing called cheap grace where we, we don't take this process seriously and we think, I don't have to confess because I'm already forgiven. That's cheap grace. Deep grace is the fact that Jesus is way more patient than, with me than I am. Okay? So, um, any questions? Yes, sir. He died for his sins, yes. and then all of a sudden he backslides and forgets about that. Uh, is there any hope for that person? Yeah. So the question was, what about somebody who uh, confesses and gives their life to Christ and confesses their sins and they say, I'm going to be good now and I'll never sin again, but then they backslide back into their old behavior. The Bible lays out plans and tracks for dealing with that in more complexity, but the simple reality is to get back on track, you go, I confess that I have sinned. I am sorry for backsliding into my previous behaviors and my sinful paths. I am truly sorry, Jesus, please forgive me. Like, that's the answer. As many times as you sin and fall off the wagon, you get back up and you try again. People in my circle of friends know the famous story of me and my brother. I grew up with a bully and I forgave him for 10 years. And at the end of those 10 years, I finally truly forgave him. Okay? Jesus is better at forgiving than I am, thank God. But as many times as I fell off the wagon and I went back into resentment and I had a bad encounter with him or a bad phone call and I was traumatized again or I was hurt again, because Jesus was showing me the way and the truth and the proper way of being, I forgave him again. Now, And, and here's the reality of where I'm at with my brother right now. He's camping up north and I want to go up and spend a week with him and I would love to do that. Five years ago, that wasn't true. Five years ago, I didn't want to be near him. Now we've got a great, we had a beautiful phone call the other day. It was warm. It was friendly. But it took this process. It took me forgiving him. And then, you know, at some point I started to see, oh, I wasn't just a victim. Oh, yeah, okay, I did some bad things too. Okay? Any questions? Any other thoughts, comments before we break into the next segment of, the, of today's class? No? Okay. Um, all right, so we're going to break into groups of three.
This is the liveliest part. This is where you wake up. Usually the model is men pray with men, women pray with women. We're going to walk through the five-step model, which I'll shout out over top of you in a few seconds. And then at the end of the five-step model, because that's all good practice and prayer, I want you to practice confessing your sins and forgiving each other. Who here feels terrified about being vulnerable right now? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, there's a few honest, few honest people. Um, Okay, now that you're breaking up into groups, I'm just going to very quickly review the five-step model. You can see it on the monitors. So it basically works like this. Uh, whoever's being prayed for in your group, you're going to say, may I pray for you today? And you're going to say, what would you like prayer for? And they're going to say something. And you're going to say, uh, Jesus, how do you want me to pray for them? That's the diagnostic. The decision is you want to know what you're praying for. The, the prayer selection is, Jesus, what do you want me to do? Step five is when you actually start to do the prayer. And then six is, or five is post prayer. I can't even read the bloody monitor today. Post prayer direction where it's going to be like, you know, you should stop uh, doing that. Um, but what I'd like to do is uh, fold into step four the idea of forgiveness. Okay? And be real, be honest, walk through it, see what happens. Again, if someone's feeling vulnerable and they're not feeling safe, then don't press the issue, obviously. This is a teaching exercise, so don't get all bent out of shape about being Jesus to the person right now. Just walk through this. Get comfortable with the process, okay? It's simple. It's straightforward. We want to get used to the process.